Good morning. Have you ever experienced a a truly selfless act where someone did something for you that they really didn't need to do, but they did it for you anyway? Anyone ever experienced that where someone did something for you that just absolutely blessed your socks off and, yeah, yeah. Here. Cool. Awesome. This morning, we're continuing our series, uh, A Hero Will Rise. And over the last few weeks, we've talked about being courageous and being determined and being feared. And, you know, not that you become this bully in the world, but that you walk in the authority of who God made you to be. And when we do that, that makes the enemy nervous. And uh, today we're going to talk about being selfless. But before we jump in, I just want to again, we'll show the, the trailer for uh, the the. the the inspiration that kind of built the framework for this. I know. It's awesome, right? It's the greatest thing you've ever seen in your life. Be courageous. Be determined. Be feared. Be selfless. I love that scene when the firefighter is standing in front of the burning building and you see the explosion. And everyone else is like, how do we get out of here? And then he sees that little girl up in the window and he's like, game on, right? slaps down his visor, and across his face it says, be selfless. Now, over the last few weeks, we have been looking at the life of Joshua and how God, in the opening moments of the book of Joshua, tells him, be courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you. And then we talked about being determined, that, that it doesn't matter what it is that's in front of you. God is with you. And when we walk in that, that we, there isn't anything that can stand against us. And, and so take that step of faith. Then last week we talked about being feared. And, and again, not that we walk around as Christian bullies, but that when we walk in the authority that God has for us, that, that, that makes the enemy and the kingdom of darkness nervous. Today we're going to talk about being selfless. And there's not a great example of Joshua being selfless. But there is another person in the Bible who has a very similar name. His name was Yeshua. And he was completely selfless. His name is Jesus. 
if you didn't know that, that Yeshua is the name that uh, Mary and Joseph never said, hey, Jesus, can you pick up your clothes? They said Yeshua, which is a form of Joshua. Um, so probably maybe it was Yesh, right? Hey, Yesh, you left your clothes on the floor. But he was Jesus, so he never left his clothes on the floor. Um, right? You never had to ask him to clean up because he just always did what he was supposed to do. Uh, as opposed to other children in other homes that you have to beg and beg and beg, please clean up your clothes. I don't. I'm not talking about anyone in specific. I'm not. I'm not looking. I'm not looking in any direction. I'm looking right at me. So this morning, I, I want to take just a second as as we've been going through. You know, um, it's amazing to me. How the, the, the parallels, the, the inspiration, um, that stories about heroes are, like the, the impact that they have on our lives, right? And the, the inspiration that they are to, to cause us to be motivated to do things like, uh, selfless acts, like putting together a Christmas basket, right? How much does that take for us to, to take a few moments of time and maybe a few, you know, a few dollars to, to put together a gift that could absolutely change a kid's life, right? And, and you know, it's amazing to me, right? We're, we're here this morning, and I see a Captain America sweatshirt, and I've got my Batman t-shirt on because I always have a Batman t-shirt on. And, and you guys probably didn't see it this morning, but when, uh, when Josh and Alyssa came in, um, Landon was, no, Batman, excuse me, I wasn't going to say Landon. Batman was here this morning. Uh, if, you've, if you missed it, he's upstairs, right? What is it about the Batman that, like, we're just like, how awesome is this guy? Um, and what I love about the Batman is that he is a superhero that it's not dependent on superpowers. He's not dependent on having anything special about him. It's just his ability to, to do the right thing and his selflessness to take what he's been given and use it for others, right? Now, obviously, in, in, the, in the new Justice League movie uh, that's coming out in a couple of weeks, there's this one scene where I, I think it's the Flash gets into the Batmobile with, with Bruce Wayne, with Batman, and Aquaman can control the sea, and Cyborg can control computers, and Wonder Woman is just Wonder Woman because she's amazing. The Flash is really fast, and he asks Bruce, he asks Batman, what's your superpower? And Batman says, I'm rich. <laughs> That's my superpower. I'm rich. Um, did you know that he's been around for 78 years? Batman was created uh, by Bob Kane and Bill Finger in 1939. He came out in the May issue of Detective Comics number 27, and he was known as Batman. And his character has just inspired generations of people, and it's through his story, right, because the thing that's so cool about Batman, one of the things, like, there are other heroes that they're totally okay with killing, and Batman's number one rule is, I don't kill. Right? Everyone has an opportunity for redemption. Even the Joker, who is, like, the worst of all supervillains, he won't kill the Joker. And it drives the Joker crazy. 
because the Joker kills all the time, right? He is totally okay with killing. But whether you are an Adam West fan or a Michael Keaton fan or a George Clooney fan, or I won't say his name, Val Kilmer, or a uh, Christian Bale fan or uh, a Ben Affleck fan, just that the, the representation of Batman in our culture literally is everywhere you look, right? This past fall, when it was back to school season, probably the greatest commercial I have ever seen was a Walmart commercial where this kid, uh, he needs a new backpack. And so his dad takes him to the store and he sees this Batman backpack, right? Did you see the commercial? And, and so he has, he has the backpack, and then when they pull up to the school, he's got his Batman backpack, and he's ready, right? But he's scared. He's nervous. It's the first day of school. And then the camera pans over, and the door opens up, and a little boy doesn't come out of the car. Literally, Batman comes out of the car, full-blown, and you see Batman walking into the school because that identity, he, he's, his, his identity in this hero of his gave him courage to step into something that scared him senseless. Now, I get it, right? He's a comic book hero. He's not real. Really, he's not real. I have to keep convincing myself of that. He's not real. He's just a story. But we have a true superhero who embodies all of these things that we've been talking about over the last five weeks. A hero in our lives who truly is courageous, who walked into situation after situation after situation that that everyone else would like, oh man, what's going to happen next? And Jesus would walk in and be courage in that situation where he would walk in and be determination, that he would be fearless and today completely, completely selfless. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says this, it says, we do this, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor Besides God's throne. What is it this this that we're doing? It's life. It's it's walking out our faith every single day. We do that by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion, the superhero who initiates our faith and perfects our faith. That he he starts it. And then he helps us walk it out every single day so that we can be who he made us to be. And so he looked at the joy awaiting him. And because he saw the outcome, he saw the end product, he saw complete redemption, complete restoration, complete healing, complete forgiveness. He saw the joy. He then endured the cross disregarding its shame, the ultimate act of selflessness. Because he had every, he, he had all of it. He, you know, if you think about like the riches 
that Jesus had like blows Bruce Wayne out of the water, right? He had everything. Perfect union with the Father. There wasn't anything that he lacked, nothing. And he shed all of that to come here and be one of us. You know, you think about the, the comforts that we enjoy, right? The things that we maybe take for granted, that our homes have heat or that our, you know, we have food in the refrigerator or that you know, we actually we, we have a, even a home to go to. And we think about what other people go through, the difficulties that they face. And, and we think, oh, a shoebox. Do I have time to do a shoebox? It's a really busy week, right? And, and so I, I, do I have time to run to the store to fill a box? Why? When Jesus completely emptied himself of all of his glory to come to this earth to, to be the sacrifice for us, can we do a simple selfless act for someone else? Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. He's there now, interceding for us, waiting for the day that the Lord says, go get the kids, bring them home. That's where we're at now in the story. I love this. John says this, or Jesus said this in John chapter 15. He's talking to his disciples and he's telling them, he says, this is my commandment in verse 12 of chapter 15. He says, love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Selfless. How do we do that? What does that look like for me or for you, uh, for us to live in a way that's selfless? Um, there's an incredible story that I, I found about this guy and um, it's the year 156. So think about that really long time ago, right? 156 A.D. And there's this 86-year-old man. And he's being brought before a Roman official. And he's being asked to renounce his atheism. Renounce atheism? How does that work? But he's no atheist. By, by the way we judge atheism, because he was a devout follower of Jesus Christ. His name was Polycarp. And to the Romans, he was an atheist because he refused to recognize Caesar as God. And because he didn't believe uh, or, or acknowledge that Caesar was God, they, they, and, and, and along with all of the other gods of Rome, he was considered an atheist. So he knows that by, by denying this command by the Roman authorities to renounce Christ and proclaim Caesar and the gods of Rome as, as God, that it was going to mean painful death. Right? Probably, you know, you, you read comic books and you read about all the terrible things that, that can be done to people by villains in comic books. They don't really compare to what the Romans came up with. Right, so they would take people and throw them into arenas with wild animals, and the crowds would watch as your family was ripped apart by wild animals. Sometimes they would even go as far as they would kill an animal 
skin it, and then take your kid and wrap your kid in that skin and then throw your kid out into the arena, and then you would watch while the, while the lions that had been starved for a week like just ripped your kid apart until you renounced Christ. So it's either that, or they would throw you on a pile of wood and light you on fire. So he knows these are my options. I can renounce Christ. I can say, no, this whole Jesus thing, uh, we made it up. It's not real. Caesar is, Caesar is God Almighty. And so he's asked three times, three times, renounce your atheism. Renounce your atheism. Renounce your atheism. But he wouldn't do it. And the, the Roman official said, swear and I release. Curse Christ, he was told. And this is what Polycarp said in response. He said, 86 years have I served him, meaning Christ, and he has done me no wrong. How then can I blaspheme my king who saved me? 86 years have I served him and he has done me no wrong. How then can I blaspheme my king who has saved me? And a pyre was built and he was burned alive. Because he could not renounce the true selfless king who had given everything for him. And so he said, look, this isn't about me. It's not about me getting out of trouble. It's not me about getting out of death. That Jesus Christ paid the ultimate sacrifice for me. How can I renounce him? Pretty selfless. There's a story, uh, a legend, a parable um, about this man called the miser of Marseille. And he's this, the story goes, this old man who used to walk the streets of the seaport town and everyone called him the miser of Marseille. And, and people made fun of him. People uh, just, you know, all throughout southern France, this guy was just the, the guy that nobody liked. And, and the reason was because he didn't love anything but money. And so he was constantly collecting and amassing money. And, and so he held on to every bit of money that he got a hold of. But no one knew why. They just knew he was greedy. And so he was hated whenever he appeared on the streets. And, and when, he would, when he died, he was so despised that only one person attended his funeral. And then at the funeral, they read his will. And that's where things got a little crazy because it said this in his will from my infancy I noticed that the poor people of Marseille had great difficulty in getting water I noticed that water the gift of God was very dear and difficult to obtain and when they could get that water it was not pure and clean as God intended it to be therefore I vowed before God that I would live for but one purpose and for one end, that I would save money, 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 that I might give it to the city on one condition, 
that an aqueduct be built to bring fresh, pure water from a lake in the hills of Marseille, to the hills, from the hills to Marseille. And that now I make possible by leaving all my hoarded wealth to this city. This is my last will and testament. And so it says that travelers in Marseille today hear the poor people say as they drink the pure sweet water from the lake in the hills, Ah, when the miser died, we misunderstood him, but he did it all for us. We called him the miser of Marseille, but he was more than that. He was the savior of Marseille. Selflessness. Now, again, could there have been a way that he'd been a nice, decent guy, you know, while he was collecting that? Probably. Um, and again, that's a parable. It's a story. But it's a, a, a secret to, to get the most out of life is to give, to be selfless, to not focus on what we want. And our example, again, is Christ. John chapter 1, verse 3, it says that all things were made by him, and without him, not anything made. Uh, without him was not anything made that was made. He had everything. And everything that we have, we have it because he made it. And he chose to become poor. He chose to become one of us, right? He wasn't born in a palace. He wasn't born to the richest family in the county. He became poor. Forbes magazine reports Bill Gates as the richest man in the world at about $60 billion. That's pretty rich, right? I, you know, I'd be okay with $60 billion. But could you imagine Bill Gates walking around the Pacific Northwest as a bum? Did you imagine that? Right? Just walking wherever he needed to go. Sleeping on a, a bench in the park. Jesus was the richest person in the universe. And he chose to become the poorest. He was, he was a scrounge. He borrowed everything. He, he borrowed a manger to be born in. That didn't belong to Mary and Joseph. Was it? Wasn't his? He used borrowing food. He moved. He went from town to town, and and people just took care of him. They fed him. Right? He would just show up. He he never had a place to sleep from one place to another. He was always sleeping on the couch, like he like the the uh, what is it the the air couch, cow surfing. Jesus was the first one. He invented couch surfing. He'd, he'd come in and Mary and, and Martha and Lazarus, hey, you guys got a couch? Awesome. Right? And, and from community to community, uh, he, he didn't have a place to sleep. He actually, at one point, didn't even have the money to pay his taxes. And so he says, Peter, go fishing. And, and when you catch the fish, we'll open the fish's mouth. And inside the mouth of the fish will be the coins that we need to pay our taxes. And that's how it works, which is one of the things that is pretty cool uh, about the disciples, that, that it's possible that Peter and Jesus were the only adults in the group, um, that the, in, order for, in order to be responsible to pay taxes, you had to be old enough. Um, so, you know, you see the picture of the disciples, and they're all old bearded guys, right? 
Probably not. Probably Peter was one of the oldest and Jesus was in his 30s. They were responsible to pay taxes. But they had been wandering around couch surfing all over Israel. Nobody was making any money. He had to borrow his own donkey. Right? For the triumphal entry when Jesus rides into Jerusalem to be the fulfillment of Scripture, that the Messiah has finally arrived, and Jesus shows up on, a, on an Uber that someone else paid for. It wasn't his. Even his tomb was buried or borrowed, right? They put him in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb because Jesus didn't even own his own plot. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3, it says that he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Jesus had nothing to gain and everything to lose, but his motivation for his selflessness for every single one of us was love. It says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God commends his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So what are true riches? We think about, you know, selflessness, right? Bruce Wayne has everything. He, you know, if you watch any of the new uh, Batman TV shows, uh, there's a, a scene in last week's episode of Gotham where he wants to go out with his friends and they go to this restaurant and it's really, really fancy and the bouncer won't let them in. And so this other rich kid is like, oh, man, I am so-and-so's son. You have to let us in. And the bouncer's like, get out of here, kid. I don't know who you are. And then Bruce walks in, and he talks to the guy. And then you see as Bruce is talking, the owner of the restaurant shakes his hand, and Bruce comes back, and he says, okay, guys, come on. We can go in. And they're like, what? How, how did you do He goes, oh, I just bought the place. <laughs> right? He has everything. But is that true riches? Are true riches money or fame or wealth? You know, eventually, none of those things are going to matter. I, I remember the story about the guy who hoarded money all of his life. And he, when he died, he, the instruction was to take all of his wealth and convert it into gold coins. And then he wanted those gold coins sewn into the suit that he's buried in. And so they bury him, and he, he dies, and he wakes up, and he's in heaven, and he's got his suit. And he reaches, and he feels inside, and all the coins are there. And he's like, whoa, I got it. I brought it with me, right? And so he pulls his suit open, and he's got his gold coins, and he's like all excited. And like one angel is looking at another angel, and they see this guy, and they're like, why is that guy walking around with pockets full of pavement? Right? Pavement. We are rich, not in money, but in grace and in mercy. We are rich with an intimate love. You're rich when you have an intimate love relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We are rich because we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. When we invite Christ into our lives, the Holy Spirit is made resident in your life. That's rich. 
We, we are rich because we are heirs of God. We are joint heirs with Christ. We're rich because we have a guarantee of heaven. Why? Why are we rich? We are rich because he became poor. He selflessly emptied himself of all of his glory so that we could have access to God and to heaven and to a relationship with him. I want to show a a video about a guy who lived a really selfless life. Um, Go ahead. Imagine knowing you're going to die. Imagine volunteering to go into a living hell on earth. Would you have the strength to do that? Would you have the courage? One man didn't have to answer those questions. He was the answer to them. Born into a family of rebels, freedom fighters and exiles, this young man fought in the 1919-1921 Polish-Soviet War, a war that almost nobody knows about, but which could have changed the course of European history. In 1939, the Germans invade Poland, and he rejoins his military unit and fights with distinction, before the unit is almost completely wiped out. He then takes to the forest and becomes a partisan before returning to Warsaw and setting up one of the first underground resistance units. Reports come in about Auschwitz, a concentration camp, but nobody knows what's going on there. So he steps forward and volunteers, allows himself to be captured, brutally beaten, and then sent to that terrible place. Arriving in Auschwitz, 10 prisoners around him are automatically executed for no reason whatsoever, and the terror begins. In Auschwitz, he sets up the resistance, survives beatings, torture, executions, murder, starvation, typhoid, and all manner of other illnesses and horrors. His resistance breeds typhoid on lice and then plants them on the coats of some of the worst SS men. He's the first person to send reports that tell the world that Auschwitz is not just a work camp, but a place of execution and murder. His reports from Auschwitz are smuggled out by the Polish underground to the Allies, where they're seen but not believed, and the Holocaust continues. In 1943, some of his fellow resistance members are captured. Fearful that at any moment he might be betrayed because they're being tortured, he hatches a plan to escape from the camp. He's one of the few people to actually escape Auschwitz, manages to make his way back to Warsaw, where he lives in hiding. Then in 1944, the Poles decide to fight back and strike freedom in the heart of Warsaw and capture the city. Over the course of 63 brutal days, he fights first as a private soldier and then commands a unit that goes on to fight with distinction. After the end of the Warsaw Uprising, he's sent to a concentration camp again, where eventually he's released by the Allies. He then goes back to Poland to set up an organisation dedicated to overthrowing the communist government that's been imposed on Poland by Stalin. Then in 1948 he's captured, betrayed by a fellow underground member. He's brutally tortured and then put on a show trial before being sentenced to death for crimes against the communist government. And it was here in 1948 that he was taken to this prison and executed, one of thousands murdered by the communist authorities. His body, dumped in an unmarked grave, has never been found. His incredible story buried with him and forgotten. Shortly before he was executed, he told a fellow prisoner, 
I've been trying to live my life so that in the moment of my death, I would feel joy rather than fear. His name was Vitol Pilecki, Andrzej's father. To honour him and keep his memory alive, share this film. Throughout the making of this film, I've been trying to think to myself, what's the example that we can take from Vitol Pilecki? The truth is, he was a unique man who lived and died in unique times. But between the wars, he was able to start a family and worked very actively in his local community as a community leader. That's the Vitol Pilecki that I can take an example from. The challenge now is not to fight and be a hero in a time of death and war, but to be a hero to the communities that we serve and the people that we love. That is Vitol Pilecki's legacy and an example we can all follow from. to live my life so that at the moment of my death I would feel joy rather than fear. Be a hero to the communities that we serve and to the people that we love. I love that. The quote at the end of the video said, when God created the human being, God had in mind that we all should be like Captain V told Bolesky of blessed memory. You know, we hear stories like that, and we're like, how in the world can I live up to that? Right? I can't be Batman. I can't be V-told. I can't be Jesus, right? Because I'm, I'm too scared. Or I don't think that I have what it takes to be that kind of a person. I don't know that I can be that selfless. This past week, I had a, a friend post a, a prophetic word on, on Facebook, and I want to share that with you this morning. It's very powerful. She writes, somebody needs to hear this today. This is a very specific word. You have been trained. You are wearing every piece of your armor. You have your weapons at hand. You have practiced come through many tests of your metal, and you have become skilled and strong. You are a formidable warrior, but you are a captive. In full battle gear, you sit with your head down, chains draping your feet and hands. Why? 
Because your enemy has said, you are my captive. You cannot win. You cannot leave. But this battle rages in the mind, in the will, in determination. Your enemy has lied and declared you a prisoner of war. The truth is, you can stand up and walk away from this forged captivity. The shackles are not fastened and locked. They're simply laid across you to create the illusion. And when you challenge the lie, you will stand. And you will see the chains dissolve before your eyes as they were never real. This is not a parable. This is real. The largest part of determining your future is in making right decisions. Will you believe the lie and choose to stay captive? Or do you choose the truth and freedom? My friend, no matter the buts you want to argue, it is that simple. Trust in truth or be bound by the father of lies. It is up to you. Stand and be called. Stand and be who you were called, shaped and trained to be. All you have to do is make the choice. Stand up and walk away from the captivity. Stand. Today, you can stand. You don't have to stay captive. You don't have to stay bound by fear and insecurity. Today, you could stand. But you have to choose to stand. You have to choose to say, I'm going to believe the truth and not the lie. I can't be courageous. I'm too scared. I can't be determined because I just can't make a decision. I can't be feared. Who would be afraid of me? I can't be selfless. I, I need my stuff. Today, you could rise as the hero God is calling each and every one of us to be. The choice is yours. Let's close our eyes as we pray. Close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our ultimate example. You sent your son Jesus completely emptying himself of glory and riches to become one of us. God, you created us to have a relationship with you, but our sins separate us. And there isn't anything that we can do to be good enough to earn your favor or your love. But you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect, selfless life as an example to us. And he died a gruesome death to pay the penalty for our sins, paying our price. But he didn't stay in the grave greater than any superhero in comic history. The truth is that on that third day, Jesus conquered death and the grave and rose again. And every single one of us who puts our trust in that truth, that Jesus rose again, that he paid the price for our sins, we get to have eternal life. And that life that's eternal starts right now. Father, I pray that you would give us the courage to stand. 
you would give us the courage to be courageous, to be determined, to be feared, to be selfless. This morning is our, just our response. Again, no one's looking around. Everyone's eyes are closed. Maybe you're that person. You've, you, you are a believer in Christ. You have followed him. You, you understand the armor of God, but you feel like you are locked in chains of fear or doubt. Today, Jesus says those, those chains have no locks on them. They're just sitting there. You want to be free? Stand. Maybe you're here and, and you, you again, no one's looking around, but maybe you need to take that step of faith to say, I, I don't want to sit anymore. I want to be who God made me to be. And in response to that, I just invite you to take a step of faith and stand. Say, God, I don't want to, I don't want to live that way anymore. Father, I want to walk in courage and in determination in confidence and in selflessness. If that's you this morning, I'd invite you to stand. Is there anyone? Lord, I will rise. I will take a step of faith. God, that you would give us the courage to stand, to be who you called us to be. Thanks, Lord. Lord, I pray your blessing and your provision and your strength over each and every one of us this morning. Pray that you would help us this week to walk in courage to walk in determination, to walk in confidence, and that you would help us to to walk in selflessness, to be that, that light to our dark community. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, I just want to share one quick story. Uh, this doesn't have to be on the recording. Um, 